For Seagulls fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Brighton videos and podcasts, download the free BHA Seagulls app now from the App Store and Google Play. Swindon fans, but you're not there yet. And it goes! Oh, it's gone in! Pritchard left footed! What a volley! It's the stuff of champions! It's the stuff of dreams! And Donate races it on goal, and Donate! Hello and welcome to episode 77 of Together, a Brighton Over Albion podcast. Uh, my name is Josh, as always, and I am here to provide to you today uh, an interview with Alan Navarro, uh, ex-Albion, uh, quite a few other clubs as well, Liverpool, Tramia, MK Dons, uh, amongst others. Um, I was lucky enough to get a hold of him on Twitter the other day. Uh, I, I first introduced myself by letting him know that I had the biggest hangover of my entire life when I saw him uh, score that goal against Leeds. Um, so that was that was a good introduction. Uh, but he's been kind enough to come on. Um, we had an excellent chat. Uh, I covered all of your fan questions that I received, uh, both privately and publicly. They are all answered in this conversation. Um, so, you know, while we are in this time, of uncertainty and overall shittiness um i'm glad to be able to provide a really really great chat with alan um and a look back on kind of some of the more recent uh, glory years of the albion history in that the gus the gus Poyet period um and of course that title winning season um we definitely get into that we definitely get into uh, a lot more in his career um and yeah i just hope you enjoy it um and i will see you again next time uh, for episode 78 whenever that comes along um i'm working hard to get some extra other people in the works um you know i i'm hoping that we can get you something every now and again to just kind of keep your appetite there for the Albion. So have a good one, be safe, keep healthy and enjoy the interview. Alan Navarro, thank you once again for coming on the show. Uh, I saw you play quite a few times for the Albion um, during what I really consider one of my favorite periods of, uh, of Albion history. Um, and I guess the first place I want to start uh, was the, the probably the question that a lot of people want to ask is who was the best player you played with um during your spell at the Albion during that period oh, oh um there was a lot of good players that done different jobs and different roles in the team um the one player who who stood out for me who um he didn't play many games either, but he's a player that I admired. Um, was Vicente, because when I played for Liverpool, I remember him being linked with Liverpool years ago, um, and yeah, I just for him to come to Brighton and you know his talent was just just there to be seen. Like to be honest, 
Yeah, I think us Albion fans still pinch ourselves when we think that Vicente actually showed up to the Albion as well. <laughs> um, it came out of nowhere too. It did come out of nowhere, to be honest. The players didn't even, didn't even like. Sometimes you get a little bit of a inside info, or you get you hear a rumor, and you know you hear agents and players. Sometimes they talk. Oh, there's a player coming, but no one even. He didn't even come. He just popped up at training one day, and it was like, "Oh my god, where's this? Where's he come from?" Yeah, it was amazing life, uh, but unbelievable talent, unbelievable. And I think, uh, I think his lack of game time with obviously impacted his injuries uh, on the time that he was there. I think he could have played a lot more games than what he did. Um, just getting him fit on the pitch was the was the problem. Yeah, yeah, I think that he, uh, I mean, whenever he came on, I think the fans were were immediately elevated. Um, and I always remember a couple of the runs that he made and just some of the goals he scored were just outrageous. Um, yeah, and I think, I suppose, with the injuries and stuff is probably the way we managed to get him is because uh, those those top teams wanted someone who could play every game, but he, he just wasn't able to do it yet. Yeah, no, and no, um, he... he... When, when, when he the first day he turns up at training, um, you could see he wasn't fit, but you could see the class and you know what I mean. Um, and then he just he just started. Um, I think because he was getting trying to get fit, he was breaking down at times. But when he has a run of games, you know, you could you could just see he was just head and shoulders above all of us. <laughs> yeah, he, he was he was phenomenal. Um, so I mean, you you were really there for the for the major transition um, from the with team to the Amex, and I'm curious as to how you how you felt with that. So what was what was it like playing at the with team as a home ground, um, and then especially to go from you know winning the title in that League One season to then going straight into the Amex the next year? What was that kind of culture shock and transition like? Um, I. Remember, because I, I signed for Brighton late on in the pre-season because I was supposed to be going back to MK Dons. Uh, I was supposed to be re-signing with Paul Ince and things didn't materialise. So when I come to Brighton, I was a little bit behind on my fitness and that. And I always remember the first game, I wasn't expecting to play, but I did. And it was must have been the hottest day in the world. And with the witty, there's no protection whatsoever. And that game, I don't know, like, that game put me right off because I thought the next <laughs> couple of weeks, couple of months playing in that sun in in in, in the ground, I'm not going to be able to do because not because it, it I've never played in a, well I, I played in the, the with team before, but I played there on a I think it was like a January or December night somewhere for for Tramir and MK Dons. Never played in that heat at, when it opened stadium like that. And it was a proper culture shock for me. Um, I think when Gus come in, he, he got the chairman and himself. They, they basically put a lot of work into making the pitch um, a good playing service uh, the second year. And I think that helped a lot, massively. Um, the treatment of the pitch, obviously, to play football. So um, that helped. And then when we were just going into training, you could see, the, 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 obviously the Amex which was just over the road from the training ground you could see it getting built and getting progressed over the, the time it was and uh, just always remember uh, I wish I'm still here to, to play in, in, in that season when it opens and lucky enough it was 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it must have been crazy seeing it come up just across the street, really, because um, it, it felt like it was forever uh, before it got built up. But yeah, I bet it was. I bet it was wild, and to have to play your first game at the Widdin for the Albion in the beating sun must have been an absolute horrible experience because uh, <laughs> in the stands like you know there was no shelter in the stands either you were no. whether it was rain shine or snow you were battered so you were battered the sun i swear I, what made it worse for me is because i wasn't up to speed i thought i was with my fitness but i wasn't hindsight now I, I shouldn't have really played the game but russell Slade put me in um and i just wasn't up to speed and with the heat and with the first game for the it was just it was just I'll be honest to God. Um, the when, when you play at some ground, sometimes one side of the pitch or the other side of the pitch with the sun like that, you will get a bit of shade somewhere. You can find the shade for a little five, ten minutes, but with, with the witty, you couldn't do that. You just couldn't get anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it was strange. So do you still watch the Albion? I know they're in the Premier League now, so they're probably more accessible than ever, but do you are you still someone who, who catches up with them if you can? I, I watch football now more than I ever did. Um, so, whatever game is on, I'll, I'll watch it. Now, whether that's specifically Brighton, it doesn't mean it's just if there's a game on the telly without, without the missus kicking off on me, uh, I'll watch it. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So, I would say I would say I've seen quite a, a few Brighton games over the, the last couple of years. Yeah, I would, I would do. Cool. So, uh, which current player from the squad uh, that you've seen over the last couple of years do you wish you had uh, been in one of the squads you were in, uh, kind of like to play alongside, like Vicente? Mm. You mean in the, in the team now? Yeah. Um, who was I talking about today? I was going to say Lewis Dunk, but I played with Um. I think the lad in midfield, Stevens. Um, I think he is he still there, isn't he, Stevens? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think uh, he, he's got a lot of ability. Um, very relaxed on the ball, and I think I would have worked well with him. Um, someone who, who's nice and calm on the ball, always looking for it, always there for a pass. I think that's the type of player I, I would thrive off. So I yeah, I mean, you had you had a good couple of midfield partnerships in that in that Albion team back in the day as well, didn't you? So I can I can definitely see why Dale Stevens would be one of those players that you yeah. get on along well with. <laughs> definitely, yeah. No, I I I, I like him because he he's always there for the pass. He's always available, um, and he's looking to he's always looking for the ball, which is always a help for a midfield player because if you've got someone who always wants the ball off you and you can, it, it makes it easy for you to get the ball, pass the ball on, and move without. I've, I've played in teams in the past where. I've controlled the ball and next minute just plays running all over the place no one there for the pass and I'm not the type of player who likes to try and beat somebody I I, I just like to get it give it move get it give it move That that's me never, you'll never see me do a trick in a match I think I've done one step over back in 1999 or something <laughs> I've, I've never uh, I've never done a trick in, in a game in my life I don't think so yeah I, I think I think him I would say him Nice. Um, I did get a fan question that I was going to ask at the end, but I'm going to slip it in here because I think it's really well timed. Um, someone, David, asked uh, about your midfield partnership with uh, Gary Dicker, and given that you know you've you've just mentioned Stevens, if you, he just wants to know how it was playing with Gary Dicker, he loved watching you two boss games in League One. Gary Dicker, he's a similar player to to Stevens. Uh, me and Gary clicked really well. Gary's a 
he's one of these players who always wants the ball. They're the same, Stephen. So when when we played together, we clicked really well. It was me him because when when Gus come in, he sort of played me him and Crofty together, the three of us. Uh, but Gary was sort of just on off inside left of a midfield three, um, and and yeah, we we clicked really well. Um, uh, he, he, you know, he's st- he's still playing now up in Scotland. He, he's doing well. Um, it, it's it's strange how football works because when when the season that uh, Gus took over the first season, he brought Matt Sparrow in. Um, Gary wasn't playing because it was Matt Sparrow, me and Kishev. I can't kind of, can't remember how you spell his name now. Um, and I done my knee, I done my cruciate, and that's where. Gary and Liam Brickcock come in and then I got my chance again and it's bad for me saying but obviously I don't mean it in any sort of way but I got my chance again when Gary broke his leg if you remember at the Amex yeah. and I got more of an opportunity then when Gary was injured so it's strange the way things happen in football but um, yeah I, I love playing Gary I didn't the, the second part of the, the first year at the Amex I didn't play enough with Gary I did in League One, but not not in the Amex. I didn't play enough with him. Yeah, and I mean, I guess I had another fan question uh, come through similarly about this. You know, how did it feel being injured for a long stretch of time as well when you did that cruciate, watching the Albion do as well as they were doing? Uh, how was that to kind of deal with mentally? Uh, I've done it. I've done it before. Um, I've done it back in when I played for Tramia. Um it must have been what five, six years before, maybe seven years before the the I was with Brighton, so I, I knew what to expect. I already was mentally prepared for it. What I wasn't prepared for was sitting in the stands watching the team winning every week, getting all applauds, and and basically playing so well and walk the league. I wasn't prepared for that because. I just thought, oh, I'll be fit again, I'll get straight back in. And, and it didn't work like that, do you know what I mean? So I mentally prepared myself wrong differently that way. Um, yeah. And it was hard. Don't get me wrong, I was made up for the lads. I was in the changing rooms every day with them, in the changing rooms every game with them, celebrating with them. But sitting there not being able to do it and be part of it in that sense was really hard. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah, I could, yeah. I mean, I couldn't even imagine um, that that League One season where we did just win everything. I think that that's probably still hands down my favorite Albion season of all time. Um, I went to a ton of games that year, and it was just incredible. Um, what do you think it was about that season under Gus in League One that just made everything click? Um, like, can you identify anything special that led to that season? Because you know, we had Southampton yeah. and huge amount of teams in there that were predicted to do far better than us. It started. It started um, the season before. He started putting the the work in the season before. So yeah, don't get me wrong. We didn't. Uh, we didn't do well, but you could see that what he was trying to instill into the team, the football he was trying to do, and everyone was. Everyone was sort of buying into it. Uh, like, wow! Well, I must have been what twenty eight, twenty nine now. And I I was I probably learned more in them six months to a year training with Gus than I did anywhere. I mean, like his detail in his training, his coaching, his ideas in the game, his tactics. I just I just learned. I just went to an 
I just learnt more, if that made sense. It, it, it showed me a different way of playing the game of what I'd been used to. And, you know, he, he, you could see what he was trying to do. And everything that he'd done made sense in the sense that if you've got the ball, you've got more chance of winning football games. And that's what we did. And I don't think many teams were prepared for us to, to play football and the way the guys did for the rest of that season. I just don't think teams were were equipped or ready for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you could see some of the teams just not know what to do when we just had the ball constantly and it was it was great to watch. Um, so outside of the Albion, just in your general career, who was your favourite manager to work under and and why was that? So so not including Gus, what do you mean? Or... Uh, yeah, no, you can include Gus if he is your favourite manager to work under by he, all means. He has I just to be. didn't want to... Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, for me, and and the reason being, um, like I said before, I I I was I thought I was quite knowledgeable in, the, in football, and I, a lot of people would say I probably my my game was reading the game. I, I was always I was never the quickest, I was never the strongest, the biggest, uh, but I was always seen to be in the right place because I could always see things happening, and go sort of seen that in me, and I started learning more to my game when I was just around him for them six months to a year, just the first six months training. Because he started bringing in things that I hadn't learned, if that made sense, and I wasn't aware yeah. of. Um, and and that's where I think it opened my eyes to even more different types of football. And I, I, it has to be him. Don't be wrong, there's, there's very close, there's close managers. Uh, Paul Ince, for example, he was someone who... Great motivator. Um, wasn't tactically like like Gus, his trainer session. Wasn't tactically like that. Um, but as the way he was as a person, the way he got the way he got his team together, the way he put a team to to work together, and and the way he had a team spirit about make sure the team were doing just things like eating together and stuff like that. He he, he just brought. He was very close to Gus, but. Gus has to top it because they were just as a tactic play uh, manager, he was just unbelievable. I, I, you know, he was just right up there. And I've played against some under some some very big managers in the past. Um, people like Paolo Tacanio, big name in the game. Di Matteo, Roberto Di Matteo, big name in the game. And then people like Gerard Zulier, Roy Evans, you know, Dave Watson. I've, I've been under like a lot of managers, um, but none of them prepared to. Um, like Gus, none of them. Nice. I mean, I think I, I'm still a massive fan of Gus, and uh, I'm sad that he's not kind of continued on that trajectory. Do you want? Do you have any idea why you think it is? Like, why do you think it is that he kind of struggled since he left the Albion? <sighs> I I spoke to him probably how long ago now? Did I say I spoke to him? I probably spoke to him like uh, I say about three years ago. Um, just on a WhatsApp text message, how I had and stuff like just having a bit of a chat, and then um, we were just talking, and he was just basically saying, I, th- I think it was one of the teams that he was at was uh, we were talking about Real Betis when he was there, and he was saying, I'm trying to instill me the way to play, but it's really difficult because you've got quality in other teams around him, um, and sometimes players can. It's hard to say, but sometimes players can adapt to what a manager's trying to do, 
or could be against it. Um, and I don't know whether he's he just what he tried to do in, in Spain, for example, just didn't work. I, I, I don't know how it didn't, but he just kept saying to me, like, on text, it's really tough out here, totally different, and he didn't know what to do. And then he went to France, didn't he? I know, did he go to China or France? Yeah, I think he's he's been at, uh, he definitely went to China and he was he in Bordeaux, China, I think, as well, for a Bordeaux, point. Yeah. And I just think he, he, he tried to carry on doing what he's done with us, and I don't know whether it just didn't work with him, if that makes sense. Or maybe he never had the players to do what he wanted to do at that level. Um, but I still believe that he's got a career in management. I still believe he's going to come back in the game somewhere. He has to. He's too good of a manager not to. Um, yeah, I mean, I would. I, I mean, I know that the rumours and the conversations of how it ended at Albion is one thing, but I think that me and myself as a fan would still have him back in a heartbeat. I think he's probably going to go down as one of my favourite managers of all time. So I, I think I think the same thing. I think that, you know, obviously you know him a hell of a lot better than I do, but I, I really want to see him keep doing well. He's a big part of where the club is now, and there's no doubt about that. You know, when, when he took over, we were struggling in League One. The next season he wins the league with League One, you know. I know, I know we never got the teams to the Premier League. Or did, no, he never did he. And then, but he, he was a big part of bringing the, the club to where it is. He, he has to be. Um, and I think a lot of Albion fans will, will see that, you know. I, I don't think there'll be many people that will argue with that. Agreed, 100%. Um, so, I mean, you started out at Liverpool, like you said. So, you were under some really big names uh, at the, you know, that was the early 2000s, right? That you came through the youth system. Yeah. Um, what was the? I said I know that you went out on, or at least Wikipedia told me you went out on loan at Crew first before moving to Tramia. Um, what was the biggest difference you felt when you kind of graduated from the youth system, signed professional, and then went from Liverpool to Tramia? And obviously, no disrespect to Tramia or Crew, but it is a drop down um, in kind of everything. So, how was that? How, what was the biggest difference you felt when you moved from Liverpool to Tramia or Crew? Um, I shouldn't have done it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think that I went on loan a crew uh, towards the the back ends of one season. Um, I think it was the last six to eight weeks. Um, Dario Grady was asking Danny Murphy about me. Danny Murphy approached me and said, "Crew are interested in taking it on loan." Blah blah blah. Uh, do you want to go? Because I was playing a lot with Danny Murphy in the reserves. Um, and I went, done a couple of a couple games there, and then Dario, the season finished. Uh, but then he said to me, basically, come back next season if if we'd be interested in you. And the next season, the start of the season, Gerard Ullier was actually going to send me to France uh, on loan. And he said, but Dario Grady's come back in for a crew. Do you want to do you want to go there um, now? I should have just listened to the manager. I went to France. I went back to, I went back to crew. I went against them. Uh, regretted it actually, uh, because it didn't at my time back at crew. I didn't. It just didn't go well. If that makes sense. Good experience to get used to football in a different way, but just didn't. I just didn't like the setup and the way it was going. Um, and during that time, I was actually playing fullback. Um, I think it was Marcus Babel was get was basically in a wheelchair because he was very sick, very ill. Another right back got his chance to play for the first team. Now I'm not saying I would have got it. I would have got it. Would have played, 
but at least I would have been in the manager's face to maybe maybe decide to if if I get if I play, and that was one regret, you know, not doing not not that was one regret going on loan at Crew and not staying at Liverpool, and um, for them couple of months, but when I came back, Tramia came in for me and I done really well there, but it was only for a month. The Liverpool wouldn't extend the loan for three months. Um, and this time, actually, Gerard Hulay was on his deathbed. He was really ill in, in hospital. It was actually Phil Thompson at the time who, who decided, no, he's got to come back, otherwise you've got to buy him. But because I'd done really well at Tramia, I had, I'm not going to lie, I must have had about four or five clubs really wanting to take me again on loan. But I thought, for some stupid reason, Tramia's on my doorstep. I don't have to move anywhere. Uh, they're trying to buy me and they're offering me a three and a half year contract I don't need to move because I've just only bought a house um, and instead of doing what can I say instead of taking a, a career move I took more of a safety move does that make sense just like yeah yeah I think I think everybody in in a lot of careers let alone a footballer have made that decision so yeah I think there's a lot of fans that will listen to that and definitely yeah. kind of click with you yeah See, I, I, um, I never had, I never had that person. You know, my agents, we had a great relationship. Me and agents, I never was with them for like fifteen years, but we never had that. You need to do this. You need to do that. It wasn't nothing like that. It was me more of a, oh yeah, let's get it done. I'm, I'm settled. I want to stay here instead of, well, what's out there? What's a good career move for me? And I actually. I should have moved away, away from my friends and things like that. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. When I, not against Tramia, and I've told people this in the past, when I moved to Tramia, there was a big, big drinking culture there. Big. A lot of, like my first day there, we done training. When I first went to Tramia, I'd done training. And then it was an all-day drinking bonding session between all the lads. Now, that didn't really happen at Liverpool, maybe once <laughs> every year. But at Tramia, it was like... And it just, when you look back at it now, it wouldn't be aired off, you know what I mean? The professionalism was totally different to, to Liverpool. And I don't know whether I, I sort of got dragged into it. I don't know, you know what I mean? And, I, and looking back, I shouldn't have I shouldn't have done it. It's but, interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, like the, the way that, that... You know, health and nutrition has exploded in the last twenty years. You're right; that would be just unheard of. But back then, I guess oh, yeah. that maybe it was more common than you'd think at the lower league teams. I don't know. Um, Definitely, but yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I think it was. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you don't have whether it's Brighton or not. Um, are there any games that kind of stand out to you? Um, whether it's for the Albion or not, where you think that was probably one of you know, some some players think and think back, and they can barely remember any of the games they played, and some of them remember a lot. Do you have any games that stand out to you as the ones where you think that's that's the one where I played a blinder? That's that's one of the best games I've ever played in. Um, <laughs> I just thought of one straight away, and it's not good for the Brighton fans. <laughs> a game, a game that stood out for me. Which meant, uh, I, I was the best way of putting this. I would say my first game for Swindon was against Brighton. Now, I was 
I was really gutted about getting let go of Brighton. I was really good because I, I was doing quite well at the time. And just the way things went and discussions went, obviously I can't go into it. But of course, it was, yes. a, kick, it was a kick in the teeth what happened to me. Um, and obviously I left. But I didn't play particularly well in that game, Brighton Swindon. I didn't play well at all, to be honest. But because of what it meant to me, because it was a more of a, oh, that was the easiest way of putting it. And I don't want to upset people, but sort of a finger up to to, to you, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like a like, revenge like, game yeah. Because Brighton meant a lot to me and people don't realise. I, I loved my time at Brighton, loved it. Even though I had a bad cruciate injury, I, I actually loved it. Loved being there, loved being around the place. I found a home, if that made sense. And getting kicked out and the way it happens and then... The game was, funny enough, the next game for the season was Brighton versus Swindon. And I scored two goals. Obviously, it was a big thing for me personally. Not on against Brighton, but a big thing for me, if that makes sense. Didn't yeah, no, play absolutely. well whatsoever. And I didn't play well whatsoever. There's a lot of games. Um, there's a lot of games in my mind of games I've played really well. But there was one particular one, and you might think this is strange. I remember playing at a, a Liverpool reserve game against Manchester United at Old Trafford. Um, I always remember Gerard Dioy, Phil Thompson, saying that's the best I've ever seen a reserve player play in a reserve game. Um, and I actually was told at the time, now obviously don't bring me down on this, but I actually told that Man United had an interest in me after that game. I think I was 18, 17 or 18. Uh, not obviously ever materialised, but and that game always seems to stand out in, and it was a reserve match you know what I mean so yeah they're, they're probably the two in, Wembley as well was another one for MK Dons and the JPT that that, that stadium and that yeah that was another one gotcha and, uh, any career regrets I know we've had the one uh, of moving to Tramier and Crew. Um, do you have anything else that you kind of regret in your career there's a lot of there's, again, there's a lot of players that have none at all, and there's a couple that think back and think, you know, there's there's a there's a mistake or there's something I wish I'd not done. Is there anything else that stands out to you? Is what anything you wish that you could change? Uh, obviously, there's a lot of there's a lot of things in football where people think if it didn't do that, if it didn't do that, and and I probably more than anyone, I've got a lot of them. Um, but the bit, the biggest one was I had six months left in my contract at Liverpool. I should have just stayed there instead of going to Tramier and chasing a three and a half year contract. Um, I say, I say that was my biggest regret because Liverpool never said to me, "We don't want you anymore." Liverpool said, "They've made a bid. What do you want to do?" I decided to go. Um, so I would say, I would say that one, even though we've already just spoken about it. There's a lot of other little things in my career. Um, like the... Where Gus Puy- the second game of the season, the second season when we played Northampton away, uh, we were getting beat and we were down to 10 men. And Gus Puy brought me and Elliot Bennett on. We weren't supposed to play. It was in the, the cup. And he just said, I just want to shore things up. I think we were getting beat 2 or 3 nil with down to 10 men at half-time or something like that. And uh, I think I'd regret then was going on the pitch and doing me cruise. I know that's obviously something that 
I can't do nothing about, but that was a big regret because I missed the rest of that season and obviously they went on to do really well. That yeah, yeah that must have been a killer. Yeah. So I'd say... Um, too. I mean, that's fair, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's quite nice to think that you've had such a long career and you've only got a couple of regrets. I think, <laughs> I think that that's uh, yeah, There's probably that's nice, a lot more in there. Definitely a lot more in there somewhere, you know. You know, uh, uh, Everyone will have regrets, even though people, players, would say, yeah, I've got no regrets. They, they will have something in there, definitely. Because you'd always make a decision to think, oh, why did they do that? You'd have regrets in football games, you know. Uh, I remember playing for MK Dons. We were playing Peter, playing Peterborough at home, um, and it was 1-1, and it was actually a top-of-the-league sort of um, competition. Peterborough ends up going seconds and getting automatically promoted by a point. We finished third. Uh, we got beat by Scunthorpe in the semi-finals on penalties. Um, but I always remember running back trying to head this ball and for some reason just swiped the ball with my hands for some reason to try and, like, as if I never did it and give a penalty away and got beat 2-1. So, they, they, you know, there'll always be a regret. Why did you do that? I did it. You know, there'll always be something. Um, yeah, that, for sure. So, I mean, you've been retired for a couple of years now. Um what? How have you? How have you spent your time retired? Um, what What have you been up to since? Um, so when I retired, there was a uh, a local Liverpool firm um, who was doing um, injury insurance for sports players, um, and I was helping them um, going to clubs at the time. Um, and obviously, when I had to retire because of my injuries, um, when that all materialised, they asked me, um, did I want to help them get into clubs and start speaking to players and not trying to tell them about my own sort of story? Um, just, we went to many clubs. But then, at that time, we got introduced to somebody to maybe set up a, a life insurance company where we can do not only sports players on career ending insurance, but also we can do life and critical illness cover for the general public. Uh, and that's what we did. Um, so that's what I've been doing ever since. Nice. Um, yeah, so, so, I mean, it sounds like you didn't hang around because I know that a lot of ex-players talk about the struggle they've faced leaving the game, especially mentally. Um, and, you know, now mental health is something that's talked about quite a lot. Uh, I'm, I mean, how did playing the career, like the end of your playing career, affect you? Because a lot of people say how it's just so regimented and you're just so used to the same thing over and over again and to have none of it. You know, how did that affect you going from, you know, a day it, like football it did to the affect day me. Job? It did affect me. But what people don't realize is when I, when, when I sort of come out of football, I, I'd, done, I'd done some coaching badges. But I had something to go into more or less straight away. And I was still going around the clubs and speaking to players. I was still sort of a part of it, if that made sense. Even though I yeah, wasn't absolutely. playing and that. But I was still I was still going out and we were still speaking to, 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 to clubs and footballers. Um, and it's just progressed to, to now we're doing the general public of life and critical illness co- cover. But because I had something to fall into, it, it made things a lot easier. I would say a lot easier to 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 do it. Yeah, definitely. I think you know, not sitting around thinking of what was, I think, is definitely a helpful thing for anyone. So that's good to hear. Would you ever want to get back into football, or are you are you oh, very definitely. happy where you are? Yeah, um, 
it depends in in, in what role though. Like I feel as though I, I could probably I could obviously I could I could add value to some some clubs or being around people, coaching, just having an input because I, I do think I'm and I'll blow my own trumpet here, but I do think I'm quite knowledgeable in the game. Um always speaking to, to players and always speaking to coaches and things and their ideas and that. It's just how you progress it into going back into it. There's a lot of players now looking to be coaches and struggling and it's hard because they're, they're stuck at getting one night, a, not one night a week in an academy or something like that. Financially, it must be really hard for them, you know what I mean? Because it's not great pay. I wouldn't do it for great pay anyway, but what I'm saying is, the position I'm in, my I've got two children and a wife, and a house and that. I, I've got to be financially secure as well, uh, and that that would have to come into it as well. So I don't know. I I would like to be back. I would like to be around football. It, it's me. It's part of me. Obviously, what I'm doing now is is my company as well. Um, but I would like to obviously be in football somehow. It's just the transition of coming away with what I'm doing now and going back into it I don't know how it's work or how I, how I could make it work something might might happen in the future I don't know yeah no I think that's entirely fair I think that you know with more and more coaches coming players coming out to be coaches I can I can definitely understand what you're saying um yeah. it's tough and you know everybody has to pay a mortgage so I get it um, yeah. I do have a couple of fan questions for you uh, before okay. we wrap up um so one of them was uh, playing for MK Dons um, obviously, the the fans have a lot of feelings towards MK Dons for the way they were, you know, founded or created or moved or whatever. Um, yeah. As a player, was it something that sat in your minds or was it just another job? You know, was it just another team? Well, I obviously wasn't around when all that happened, as in the move right. to MK Dons. I wasn't there for all that. I came to MK Dons when the new stadium was built um, that season um, and because you wasn't close to where he was in the past like obviously Wimbledon there wasn't a lot of what can I say there wasn't a lot of people really talking about it or there wasn't a lot of angry fans or anything like that there wasn't a lot of yeah there wasn't a lot of talk about it Um Playing, yeah, it was just normal. Just playing in the team as like a normal team. I wasn't really thinking about what was going on in the past. Um, Dean Lewington, who's been there all his life, basically, he was actually part of the old Wimbledon setup and came up to MK Dons. Um, he said it was strange the way it happened, like you know. But I, I didn't see much of it to be honest. I, I wasn't a big part of it. That's fair. Um, two more, two more questions for you. Um, you're you're a Liverpool fan, I believe. Yes. Uh, how are you currently feeling about this situation of Liverpool um, possibly not being crowned champions this season? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> uh, it's going to probably be the hardest thing for any Liverpool fan, I would say, because we, we waited so long for for it to happen. It looked like it was going to happen. We were only, I think, six points away or four, uh, six points, I think, we needed was it six points or four points? I can't remember. I think uh, I think you were just two wins away, uh, depending on what away. everyone else did. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I could say I could probably say, and I think a lot of people would agree with me that Liverpool were gonna were gonna be champions. Um, 
And for it to be taken away like the way it has, I think it would be really hard. If if we were one point ahead at this minute, if we were one point ahead of City, for example, and there's still 10 games to go, I don't think that you'd get a lot of Liverpool fans who would be bothered because you still don't know whether you were going to win it. And it would have been an exciting finish to see it finish. I think a lot of people would like to see it finish to see how it went. But because the season's more or less strange but same, but you would say Liverpool have already got it wrapped up. I think a lot of people would agree with me on that one. Yeah, and I agree with you 100%. So, so I think even though, you'd say, even though we're mathematically not champions, I, I think we are. And that's probably the hardest thing to take. Um, and again, you don't know whether you're going to wait another 30 years to get an opportunity like this, do you? You just don't know. No, exactly. Yeah, I thought I thought that was pretty much what I expected, <laughs> um, and I agree with most of it. Even if I'm not a Liverpool fan, I think you're. I mean, it is pretty much wrapped up. I expected it to be done within the there's next two weeks. Of, uh, there's a lot of Everton fans in our like football group who are proper happy about it. I tell you that um, <laughs> it's ruthless. Honest to God, it's ruthless. They're all singing and everything is funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do just don't know. There was an announcement today, wasn't it? The Belgium league. That's been stopped. The team who was top with 15 points ahead, and I think they've been awarded the league. Is that correct? I think I've read yes. that today. Yeah, you are correct. I Two. saw the same thing. Yeah, Club Bruges have just been awarded yeah. the title. Yep. No one got relegated, but all the teams, two teams got promoted. Is that correct? Like Not that. sure about that bit, but that, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me because that's that's what they were talking about for the Premier League too, wasn't it? That they were talking about awarding the title, have two from the Championship come up and then have five go down the following year. So I think they're maybe going along with that route. I'd like to see them finish it, but I don't know how they would. It, it, you know, people's health. I can't believe they let Liverpool play the, the Atletico Madrid game. 3,000 Spaniards coming over who... They're all affected over in Spain, which is a heavily affected co- uh, country. And then 3,000 Spain fans come to Liverpool with 50,000 fans. You know, they should have stopped it weeks and weeks ago if they were going to do anything. But I would like to see it finished. But people's health come first. Yeah, of course. Final question for you. Um, who was the who was the biggest joker during your time at the Albi? Oh, there was plenty of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Liam Dixon has to be up there, Dickinson. Um, yeah, Dicko has to be up there, definitely. Um, who else was there? That was bloody hell. Um, well, Robert suggested Craig Noon as well being up there. Craig Noon was a joker, but he, he, he was also <laughs> quiet as well. So he was also taking a, a back step at times, yeah. Yeah, he was a joker, but he was also takes a back step. Like Dicko, Dicko was in your face. He, he didn't care. You know, he was one of them type of people. He, yeah, Dicko was right up there. So I'd say Liam Dickinson. Uh, Gary Dicko was a joker. Matt Sparrow was a joker. Um, who else? We had a good, we had, this is the thing. We had such a, gr- a good group of lads over the couple of years where everyone clicked on with everyone and everyone has a joke and a laugh and we, we got on so well and obviously that showed in the football. Um, yeah, so I, I'd say, uh, I'd say quite a lot of the lads loved a good laugh and a good joke. You know, they were all up there. Yeah, it was good, good set of lads. Wicked. Well, 
Alan, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, it's been an excellent chat. And, you know, given that you were such a such a big part of that Gus Poyet era, I, I'm really glad that you're able to come on. So thank you so much. Yeah, no worries. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, stay safe, stay healthy. Um, thanks. Thanks again. And yourself. Thanks a lot. All Bye. right. Cheers. Bye. Bye.